Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Market Wrap. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and before we take a look at what moved markets this past week with the one and only Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX, let's first take a quick look at how the STI is faring at the moment. I'm taking a look at the SGX website. The Straits Times Index is currently down 0.48% at 3,135 points. Decliners are leading the pack 268 to advancers at 180 after 6 682 million securities worth 530 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. Now, without further ado, Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Jeff, how was your week? Yeah, very, very quick, uh, Hongbing. Very quick. How was yours? It was good. It was good. Now, Singapore shares, it did open in the red today, Jeff. And, yeah. you know, earlier today, I just saw an article on Bloomberg saying that the STI is on track to close at its lowest level since early November. Is that true? How did the STI fear this past week? Yeah, that's interesting because we made a low of around 3095 mm-hmm. in mid-March. So we're about 1.5% above that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we are is that we, we opened uh, on Monday around the 3215 level and we've seen around a 2% decline this week. So mm-hmm. that's taken us to test the 3120s. So what's that? It's around 95 points lower this morning. But as you said before, we're back near the 3135, 3140 level now. So it, it, we're down around 2% and we're about 2% now above where our year-to-date low, which was around 3095. Now, this, this has all been measured moves. There's all a reason for it. You've had the Hang Seng fall 3% and Taiwan, I think, down 2% as well. During the week, we had the announcement that uh, U.S. and China, yes, do have well, reports rather than an announcement per se that U.S. and China do have low expectations for this four-day visit by mm-hmm. the Treasury Secretary in the U.S., mm-hmm. Janet Yellen to Beijing. So so that kind of coincided with a broad risk-off tone, very much the opposite in the beginning of the year where we saw risk on when it was announced Anthony Blinken would be flying over to mm-hmm. China. Um, so what we've seen is those stocks that are particularly sensitive mm-hmm. to U.S., China geopolitical risks or stocks that really did significantly outpace in the first half, such as Semcorp and Keppel, mm. uh, have uh, basically seen the brunt of the declines. Okay, okay. Who were the biggest movers on the STI this past week, though? Okay, so for, for the three stocks that outpaced and led the STI, Singapore Airlines was up 2%, SATS was up 2%, as well as UOL Group. But on the flip side of the coin, you had Semcorp Industries leading the decliners down close to 7%, DFI retail group that was down five percent and then Wilmar and Keppel were both mm-hmm. down four percent okay okay and also I want to talk about a hot stock this week Singpost, which yes. hit a seven week high after the government said it would consider allowing the national postal service provider to adjust its postage rates to better reflect the cost of letter mail business can we expect further optimism from Singpost then Jeff yeah I guess uh, this is not a one-off. Singpost, mm-hmm. its foundations, it stemmed back to the 1850s in mm-hmm. Singapore. So it obviously has a history of moving with the times. Mm-hmm. This week, uh, the share price gained around 3% to 46 cents, um, mm-hmm. And that's trimmed its year-to-date, year-to-date decline to 11%. Why I say it's not a one-off is because 
Huffington Post is pursuing a transformation into international logistics. And that saw 86% of the group's last FY revenue, Mm -hmm. which ended in March, generated internationally through both organic and inorganic initiatives. Mm. And that first phase of its strategic transformation, it's involved the creation of the sustainable integrated logistics business, which has expanded into Australia, Mm. and it's developing its international uh, cross-border e-commerce. So Mm -hmm. back in May, the group actually noted the next step of the transformation was the strategic review of the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And then this week's announced it's reviewing its postal business amidst the rapid digitalisation we're seeing across the region and the structural decline in mail volume. I think with that announcement, it noted Mm -hmm. that the average consumer sends less than one letter per month now. Uh, and that's So it's undertaking this strategic approach to find some balance between mm-hmm. commercial sustainability and obviously providing essential postal services to mm-hmm. Singapore. And that's that's obviously has set the stage for this announcement for SingPost to work with IMDA to review costs, its operating model, and find a way to optimise going forward. Okay, okay. Some good news for SingPost there. But I believe many mm-hmm. are at SingPost right now lining up for, of course, Taylor Swift tickets. Jeff, are you? Have you secured your tickets? Or are no, you? I, I'm not. No, I'm not I, I had no interest whatsoever, and <laughs> and I, I got pretty quickly reprimanded from my wife for saying. Yeah, Taylor Swift's okay. Yeah, good, good songs, but I, I really don't really follow as much as I just should. Do, have you? Are you going? Uh, no, I haven't even attempted at it. But okay. you know, um, it looks like the biggest winners here are those who've already secured their tickets. But it looks like UOB is also a winner in this whole frenzy. Did this Taylor Swift great war with Taylor Swift fans alone causing a forty? 5% surge in UOB card applications across Southeast Asia. Jeff, would this kind of have a play in how the bank will perform for the rest of the year? I think it's in a play in, I think how it's having a play in terms of how banks working in collaboration mm-hmm. with other uh, service providers to enhance the value proposition that they offer to the customers. So mm-hmm. really, that is all part of this kind of bigger theme that regional banks are pursuing. It's uh, EY Parthenon, um, they, they articulated it as customised and experience-led operating models that mm. banks are pursuing. So you've got some Taylor Swift fans might be obsessed with getting the tickets, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the EY guys maintain that to truly understand client experiences mm-hmm. at the banks, investment banks do need to start to getting obsessed with their clients mm-hmm. and thus enhancing the client experience is a key theme for banks. So the report suggested really that uh, these investment banks should identify client pain points, mm-hmm. understand client needs and behaviour and implement uh, and, and iterate on some new experiences and, and knowing this will help them to create better experiences, strengthen broad loyalty. So I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that makes sense uh, mm-hmm. in terms of consumer banking and I would say expect more of such uh, initiatives from all the banks uh, going forward. Okay, okay. And I just want to dive in a little bit deeper here. The movement in shares of UOB, that has been kind of muted since its first quarter update back in late April. Jeff, do you see high gains or big pain in UOB shares for the second half of this year? Well, we've had uh, quite a bit of convergence in terms of our banks to the Mm -hmm. regional banks after uh, a couple of years of outperformance there. So Mm -hmm. UOB share price, it closed at 
$30.70 at the end of last year. Mm. And now the stock is trading pretty close to its 17th of May low, which is around $27.40. However, it did on the way pay 75 cents in dividend. I think I went X back on mm-hmm. the end of April and is expected to pay another 75 cents in mid-August. Uh, but we'll know uh, what that div is uh, before the Thursday, 27 July open, if they are going to going to pay one per se. But that's what Bloomberg suggests anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Look, in, in the second quarter, decelerating global growth really established itself again as mm-hmm. an overarching macroeconomic driver. And so we've now got some convergence in the outlook and performances of local banks to regional banks. And, and this has seen UOB generate a decline of around 8% in total returns so far this year. Mm-hmm. And it brings the total returns of UOB and regional APAC banks to almost identical since the end of the third quarter of last year. So I think UOB since then, since the end of the third quarter last year, is up 7.7%. Regional banks up uh, 7.6%. Okay, okay. And uh, just taking a quick look at how UOB shares are faring at the moment. It's currently down... 0.2% at $27.46. We also have DBS and OCBC both in the red as well. DBS down 0.3% at $30.63, while OCBC Bank is down 0.5% at $12.04. So what about DBS and OCBC? Will they see the same as UOB? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the trio of them, mm-hmm. DBS, OCBC and UOB, they book more than $2 billion in combined mm. net fund outflows, institutional outflows in the first half of this year. But at the same time, they averaged a 1.8% decline in total returns. So the march, it was quite marginal, that average decline um, in total return. It bought mm-hmm. the trio's average total return from the end of 2019 pre-COVID to the end of June to around 33%. And that's like I said, that that did outperform the regional banks, which were up 10% over that time frame, mm-hmm. and global banks, which were up 5% over that uh, time frame. So um, looking forward, much of the SDI's performance, it is tied to the tree of the banks because mm-hmm. they do represent something like 45% of the SDI wages. And so for the second half ahead, uh, it really, the, the ability for the banks to, to grow their loan books in line with that low to mid single digit percentage guidance will be important. It will be also important to keep their provisions low. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, broader resilient market conditions could also help with keeping that wealth management fee income in tow as well. But I, I should reiterate, as occasionally do, that UOB does rank as the ninth largest weight of this mm-hmm. index called the FTSE Developed APAC X Japan Sustainable Yield Index, mm-hmm. while DBS and OCBC, they rank seventh and eighth place respectively. Okay. But they don't. But the three of them don't make the top 10 weights in the parent broader FTSE Developed Asia Pacific X mm-hmm. Japan Index. The reason being is this is a sustainable yield index. It extremes it excludes the extreme high yielding stocks and really looks at financial and operating strength of mm-hmm. their constituents and it has this emphasis on companies with strong balance sheets ability to generate cash flow payout ratios uh, matter as well and for that reason I, I think yeah just pointing out that these stocks are elevated these three banks are elevated into top 10 stocks when you take a high sustainable yield tilt to it um, other, other than the parent where they don't feature in the top 10.
Okay, okay. And now I want to move on, but uh, we're now entering the second half of this year, right? Yeah. Jeff, any highlights from the first half of the year that you're remembering? I mean, which sector came as the biggest winners for you? Well, I think the biggest the biggest winners were uh, semiconductors and mm. technology globally, and they were basically repricing in uh, a recovery uh, inventories recovery cycle getting near the end towards the end of this year mm-hmm. and and the the market finding a lease on new life well, the 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 sector I should say finding a lease on new life early next year but mm-hmm. for the first half our STI booked a 1.2% total return that was pretty much in line with the region the uh, ASEAN uh, as a as a whole was up around 1% what was interesting was that the volatility in the market in this in that second quarter was very low the the price range between high to low for the STI in that second quarter mm. was about half of what it usually what it usually is. So so that meant that we had our narrowest quarterly trading range since since the third quarter of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, some winners uh, are stocks that outpaced in that first half. Mm-hmm. Dynamac and Tianjin Pharmaceutical Darren Tang Group, mm-hmm. they led the most traded 100 stocks here in Singapore uh, with, uh, 90, I think, 90% gains thereabouts for Tianjin Pharma. And then Dynamac was around 100% gain. Uh, and and when you look at Dynamac Holdings for its first quarter, it reported its net profit increased 108% year on year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as of May, the group had a net order book, I think, around close to 610 million Singapore dollars stretching into the next two years. Uh, Tianjin Pharmaceutical, its uh, total comprehensive income for its first quarter of this year was also uh, up around 97% year on year. And mm-hmm. that was mainly due to sales structure changes. So um, they were the two that led. Okay. Okay. What about for the biggest losers? Yeah. When you look at those 100 most actives, you had Prime US REIT and Manulife US REIT lead the decliners. And that's obviously coincided with higher interest rates in the US mm-hmm. as well as the US economic outlook. Uh, Medtex International Corp was also among the laggards. Mm-hmm. And, and that stock, Medtex, also joined the 100 most traded stocks in the first half of this year after it ranked outside the 100 most traded stocks last year. Other stocks that also saw their turnover rankings increase, as I said before, was Tianjin Pharmaceutical, Daren Tang, had Delphi, Food Empire, Thompson Medical Group, Propnex, China mm-hmm. Aviation Oil, Great Eastern Holdings, Sabana Industrial REIT and Costco oh, Shipping wow. International also uh, saw this increased trading turnover to feature in our 100 most actives. Okay, okay. And also moving to some economic data of Singapore this week, we had the PMI and retail sales. Jeff, what do those numbers tell us about the current state of the economy? Yeah, well, Singapore's retail sales, I think, grew 1.8% year-on-year mm-hmm. year in May, um, and that's lower than that. 3.7% growth in April, so some year-on-year deceleration. But on a, and on a month-on-month as well, on a seasonally adjusted basis, I think say retail sales were down two-tenths of a percent after they, they were up 0.5% mm-hmm. back in April. And you also, it was interesting to see what the brokers and the uh, were saying. I think RHB and UOB were pretty upbeat on the outlook for retail sales in the second half. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason being was uh, tourism demand. Because we've got the F1 race in in September, Black Friday, obviously, single day. Travelers, particular Aussies, they do love to stop through Mm -hmm. in December. Yeah, Yeah, so so, so on the PMI front uh, as well, look, industrial production, it has declined around... 
around uh, what is it five, over the first five months of this year it's down uh, around seven percent mm-hmm. but there are still bright spots so auto manufacturers were the globe and the region's strongest performers um, in June it saw mm-hmm. neo Jardine cycle and carriage really lead our market in the month of June transport engineering's obviously still a key part of the leading stronger aspect of our industrial production numbers so uh, I think PMI didn't really uh, reveal much, 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 uh, much new. Mm, okay, okay. Is there anything else investors should be looking out for next week as well, Jeff? Yeah, I think the key numbers uh, advanced second quarter GDP. It always, it always serves as somewhat as a little bit of a bellwether for our earnings season. And, and uh, so GDP will be released 8 a.m. on Friday. Uh, remember in the first quarter, we declined four tenths of a percent quarter on quarter, mm-hmm. but we were up four tenths of a percent year on year. June, in June, private sector economists, they forecast our GDP will grow at around 1.4% this year, mm-hmm. but accelerate to 2.5% next year. As I said, it serves as a good bellwether for the earnings reports because late July through to August, it was super important time for corporate outlooks. I think we have close to 400 stocks that are due to report their first half. Mm. Um, so all, all focus will be on that. Okay, a lot to look out for next week as well. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, once again for joining me today. That's a pleasure. Thanks very much, Hongbin. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Cheers. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.